Hey guys, Dana here. I'm so excited to announce that More Than Running with Dana now has a sponsor, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is an ultra personalized nutrition system that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body and reach your goals. Personally, I've been using Inside Tracker for almost two years while running at the professional level, and it's helped me figure out how I can perform and feel my best. Inside Tracker gives you personalized recommendations for nutrition, supplements, and lifestyle to optimize your health and life. Go to info.insidetracker.com backslash early access to be the first to hear about Inside Tracker's best deal of the year. The link will also be in the show notes. Thank you so much to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode, and I'm excited for some things we have in the works for you guys. So follow along on social media and stay tuned. Enjoy the episode. very excited to introduce the newest uh, track and field director at Dartmouth, my alma mater, Portia Dobson. Welcome, Portia. Thank you, Dana. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> so you just moved up to Hanover. Um, how about let's talk about the whirlwind past couple. It's been an insane year. Yeah. Let's talk about the past three months since the start of the fall for Portia. Yeah, the, the past three months, I guess we're already in November. Uh, the year in general has definitely just flown by super fast. Um, the days have been longer, but the weeks have been going by really fast. So um, my my first day at Dartmouth actually was October 1st. Um, and prior to that, um, I was associate head coach at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, so I am moving or I've moved from Pennsylvania from being there how many, about eight and a half years now. <laughs> so it's definitely been quite some time um, and definitely life changing. Um, but uh, being in the league for that long as well and um, being excited to bring my experience and knowledge from the Ivy League being at Penn to, to Dartmouth. So that, that definitely um, has been a benefit and a lot of exciting um, and, and very exciting for me um, and hopefully for <laughs> the team and the administration as well, just to have that uh, familiarity going on. So um, it was an interesting process. Actually, everything moved quite quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I believe I was offered on a Thursday or Friday and I accepted on a Saturday and they wanted to announce on a Tuesday, and my last day at Penn was Wednesday, and my first day at Dartmouth was Thursday. <laughs> so. Wow. That must have been a really emotional time with you. It seems you, Penn, well, even while I was at Dartmouth, so I was 2012 to 2016, kind of had a transformation where it kind of went from, like, a non-factor in the Ivy League to pretty dominant, and that must have been the core of your time there and four years later. So I feel like I was in the beginning half of your time at UPenn? Yes, actually, we both arrived at Ivy League at the same time. So my first year there was 2012, so that fall. <laughs> so yes. So funny. Yeah, you've been able to see um, really the, the entire transition. And um, during that time, um, as you said, we were not a factor. You know, we were placing on both sides, men and women, um, sixth and seventh uh, year after year. Um, and I'm never ashamed to say that um, because it's always interesting to know that I know what it is to be at the bottom of the league, but mm -hmm. I also know what it is, what it's like to be at the top of the league um, and definitely what it takes. And there's a lot of good and there's growing pains as well, right? And so um, <laughs> being able to know um, what to implement, what not to implement and, and have already gone through that trial and error process, um, I think uh taking those tools and that knowledge and moving forward is definitely going to be useful and beneficial um, while here at Dartmouth. So, um, but you're absolutely correct. It was a whirlwind, emotional, definitely a whirlwind. Um, letting everyone know, uh, letting my uh, uh, my team, uh, excuse me, not my teammates, my athletes. Uh, well, that must have been the hardest part. That's right. always the hardest part. You know, um, that's what really affected me. I was actually very nervous to tell them. And then once I, I did, um, I was I was happy about the move, but at the same time, of course, just it was sad leaving leaving. It felt like my kids, my babies, you know. So um, we had formed a little family, like that was that was our group. Um, but they they understood. Um, I think 
being in a, a pandemic that just uh, it just affected everyone probably more than it than it would have um, outside of a pandemic, right? So mm-hmm. um, just being away from campus and then not being able to use facilities and then losing their coach and you know just um, but they're they're a good group. Um, they're very resilient and um, very understanding. So. Um, in that they were very supportive too. We had a lot of talks in moving forward. So, um, but once I arrived, I, I put that in quotes, arrived at Dartmouth, um, it was virtual, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I did, I had, a, I had a staff meeting that first day, that very morning on Thursday, um, to really just hit the ground running <laughs> and uh, really were able to and express my my goal and visions uh, for our staff and for the program and moving forward. And we had our first team meeting that uh, that same week. Uh, so I, I believe that was Thursday. We had team meeting on Friday, the very next day, mm-hmm. uh, and then continued into a nice pattern and just kind of um, really setting the tone and and sharing with everyone um, what I wanted to bring and bring that energy and kind of just hitting a refresh button, you know? Yeah. So Dartmouth had a very, for the listeners that don't know, Dartmouth had a really challenging year in addition to the pandemic. Coach uh, Sandy Fort Santones very tragically passed away last fall, which is devastating for the team. Head coach, sprints coach as well, leaving a massive gap. Barry Harwick had been the program for, uh, you probably know more than me, over 20 years. So you're, like you said, a huge reset for the program and I feel like it's uh, a special place where you do get blimps of success, but never that continuous growth of building year on year. You have a very sparkly, shiny year, and it's hard to build upon. So was that something you looked at, like the past, the history of the program? And you're like, okay, I've seen what's happened. This is how I want to build on it. Or are you taking this from your UPenn experience? How did you conceptualize in this very short amount of time your vision and what you wanted to execute quickly? Yeah, that's awesome. You actually hit the nail right on the head. You've been you use the same like terminology that I've used. I said Dartmouth, in my opinion, because I have a unique uh, perception being on the other side, and of course trying to figure out um, what are the strengths of different programs, um, where could we take advantage of different spots and programs so that we can improve, so that we could win eventually. So, and Dartmouth was one of those teams. And I expressed to everyone, I said, you know, Dartmouth has certainly had its glimpses of success. So you know that it's there. Um, But the consistency, in my opinion, hasn't been there. I I always felt, you know, oh, Dartmouth was second and they were super strong. And then the very next year, I'm like, they're going to be a contender. And then they were fifth or sixth. And I was like, hmm, there's something there, you know. And um, I never, I think there's a lot of pluses. Um, And there were some holes there in, in, in the program that I saw. And I'm just hoping that I'll be able to fill those holes and um, myself and the staff being able to identify those and um, really be able to move forward. And I've, I've had good chats with the staff, good chat with the uh, the team at large, and then I've been able to break it down and speak to the captains, um, speak to each event group as well, and and really kind of get their take on it and how they ha- how they have seen things and. Um, even some of the alumni, you know, they're just, everyone's just very open and honest with me. And I think we all see very similar aspects of the program and where it can be um, kind of where, it can, uh, where we can develop some consistency in that improvement. So mm-hmm. um, that's really where my vision. And then, of course, bringing my own unique take on it. I'm, I'm very high energy as a person. <laughs> I love that. Um, so it's really just built into my character and, um, I love just allowing other folks to see it and, and they, they normally kind of build off of that and it really just filters into the staff and to the rest of the team. And we want to keep it fun too. You know, this is folks passion and this is what's mm-hmm. fun for them. And I don't want it to become a burden because once it becomes a burden, then, you know, that transitions into the rest of their lifestyle, right? The classroom, mm-hmm. their social life every day. But the same on on the reverse, right? If it if it continues to be fun for them, that translates into their life as well, and they're they're having better experiences in the classroom, and um, their mindset is different, and their 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 social life on campus is a little bit different because they they have that excitement, they have that fire, and um, they they know they can improve, but now they just just need a little bit more assistance. So. Yeah, I definitely felt like it was a place. So Dartmouth's on a quarter system. There's these ten week terms where the alumni, we 
there's some Boston girls. We'll we'll meet up and we'll always talk about how there was never enough time to reflect. So you're on a 10 week sprint and you have finals three weeks and six weeks in. And I think I took 80% of my finals in a hotel room at NCAAs, (laughs) which is crazy, but in a good way where you're constantly engaged and involved in the campus. Um, Is that something that you see very, being very similar to UPenn, kind of that, I mean, the Ivy League student athlete, it's a unique experience. If you're making that decision, it's something that's inherent within you. Um, I guess it's not really a question. It's more of a statement. Do you see that kind of being a little bit different at Dartmouth versus UPenn, or it's kind of like the same experience of the Ivy League student-athlete? Yeah, I would agree with you. It is the experience of an Ivy League student-athlete. And I I normally say, even to recruits, um, I said, you know, this is not going to be an easy decision for you. Um, This will be challenging. And, you know, being a student-athlete in the Ivy League is going to be challenging as well. However, you would not be speaking to me and you would not even be considering the school if you weren't someone who wanted to be challenged to step up to those type of challenges. It's just who you are. So if you're able to identify, you know, the, the student athletes who are appropriate for the Ivy League, they're already equipped. They have the skills, you know, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you're nurturing them and assisting them through the process. But they're they're usually ready to kind of take on these 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 um, unique challenges within the league. So who do you see as kind of your key mentors for, I mean, this is, you were an associate head coach and this is the next level, the bigger jump to the larger leadership role. Um, Who do you look up to and want to take little bits of them to develop this new stage of your career? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, um, I'll be completely open with you. There's there's not one person that is a go-to for me all of the time. Um, I, I try to kind of take pieces of what I've learned along the way. Um, as an athlete um, coming from high school, as an athlete and student in college, um, I believe I, I, I attended UNC um, Chapel Hill. So um, I entered that program at a time where they're very successful. Um, mm-hmm. My late head coach, um, Coach Craddock, he's passed away, but Coach Craddock did a really good job of um, managing the program and really uh, being able to identify who was a good fit, but then also to setting standards and expectations. Mm-hmm and guidelines and really holding us to them. Um, And with that, as a 17 to 22 year old, I'm not going to say that any of us enjoyed every moment of it and thought it was, (laughs) but in that moment, he was able to kind of bring out the best of us. So we were were able to win championships. There are lots of people who advanced to NCAAs. Um, There's a lot of successful folks who, um, excuse me, a lot of people who are now successful outside of uh, UNC after graduation. So um, when you look back, um, you're definitely very appreciative of the things that you've learned. Um, but again, that's, and, and moving forward, <clears throat> I was a, uh, a head coach at Montclair State University in New Jersey. So gotta love New Jersey on this podcast. I know. Um, it's so much fun when you bump into a lot of Jersey people. So Jersey girls all the way. Um, it's a but- track spot because I always tell people, I'm like, I'm so lucky that I got to go to high school in New Jersey because you just get good because there's so many people to race against. Yep. Mm-hmm. The competition is super high level and it's intense <laughs> all the time. So um, definitely benefited from that. Um, and again, I was a first time head coach <clears throat> at Montclair. And just learning from the staff that was there, um, and when I mean staff, just from other sports, right? Everyone's kind of giving me their tidbits, um, things that work, things that may not work, what you want to do, what you want to stay away from. Um, And then, of course, uh, heading over to Penn, um, when I arrived at Penn, the director there, Steve Dolan, we we came in at the same time. So he, too, was a new director. (laughs) So being able to go through that process with him and he was navigating those first, you know, one or two years and really kind of finding his his foot there at Penn. And again, like I said, seeing what worked, what didn't, building culture, um, building team culture throughout that process and just kind of picking out, like taking notes. This is this is good stuff. All right. These are things that I would change. And um, and and along the way as an assistant coach and as an associate head coach, um, I think one of the beauties is that <clears throat> A lot of 
uh, schools, you're able to have full autonomy over your event group, right? So you can, too, you're almost the, the small head coach of your event group. So you can be able to build that culture there and, and really be able to spread it to the, the rest of the team as well. So to answer your question more directly, <laughs> who yeah. are... Who are people who are mentors? I do look up to um, a lot of the um, the top female coaches in, in the country, um, and it, that list goes on, right? It's it's um, it's Carol Smith Gilbert, it's um, Amy Dean, you know, it's Beth Sullivan, it's um, oh gosh, uh, the the head coach at Ohio State who's been there for years, um, and she's been really been able to develop an awesome team there, um, you know. Uh, who am I? I'm missing. Um, uh, Buford Bailey. She was a, a coach at Illinois and then at Texas. And then just, um, and then I say the women because it is a male dominant kind of mm-hmm. uh, 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 profession. So being able to kind of stand out in that way, um, but still be respected because you are improving, you're doing well. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's something to be, um, it's, it's something to be honored for, um, simply because it's not easy, right? But if you, you uh, they've paved the way, you know, they are trailblazers. And I guess at the same time, um, I feel, you know, I definitely am, am happy and I'm glad that I can be one of those next people and moving forward. So um, I just think about those things. I'm very observant, um, do a lot of studying, um, a lot of classes, a lot of reading, um, and not just about track and field, you know, um, definitely mm-hmm. about um, team cultures, about, um, you know, leadership, um, self-help books, all those type of things written by all sorts of people. So um, just Do you have re- a favorite book that stands out to you? I, uh, I'm huge into the self-help genre. I'm reading this book right now, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And there's just so many books like that that just give you chills. And you're like, I never even thought about the world like this. Yeah, actually, it's funny because um, I do read books that are written by um, high-level football coaches. <laughs> and the Urban yeah. Myers, those ones. Yeah, there's a great course at Dartmouth, actually. I took, I was a psychology major, and my senior seminar was the psychology of leadership. And we read over 10 weeks. Each book was by a high-level leadership coach. And then you would analyze it based on, like, their leadership traits. Yes. So you should sneak into that one. <laughs> Yeah, that would be very cool. That would be very cool. I enjoy doing that. I um, take lots of notes and lots of highlighting um, and then also kind of stripping some quotes from them as well and being able to apply that. Um, But I I like to read those type of books because they're all about, you know, um, it's resiliency. It's also to building. And everywhere I've been, I've um, been assigned to rebuild the program. So Mm -hmm. Um, it's something that I enjoy, um, but I also think it's something that the student athlete that's there and the recruits that are joining the program, um, they have an opportunity to kind of recreate small parts of history as well. So um, I think it, it's fun for everybody. So. so flip the coin a little bit. Those are amazing people and ways that you find inspiration and leadership are there any athletes that have you've really learned something from I think you've created a it seems like you have a very special relationship with your UPenn athletes many of them have grown into be even professionals and just phenomenal uh, women as well is there anyone that you have just been like wow I've learned so much from you as my athlete Oh, wow, Dana, you're coming with the good questions that's actually something that I've, I've never really thought about before um I, I wouldn't necessarily say there's one athlete in particular. Um, I think my um, my approach in, in not just coaching the student athletes, but also to um, being able to develop relationships with everyone on the team at large, um, just being able to kind of pick their brain and hear their voice, right? I, I like to have one-on-ones with folks who I, um, I coach directly. And those conversations are not just about track and field, you know, I'm, I'm asking them, you know, how's life on campus? You know, how are you and your roommate getting along? Um, are you yeah. home? How often have you spoken to mom or dad or your brothers or sisters? And, you know, talking about those things and so that we can just really become comfortable each, with each other and have that nice line of communication. And I play different roles, you know, I wear different hats. I'm not just their coach. At times I'm their mentor, you know, um, at times I'm their support system. I'm, also the disciplinarian, <laughs> but mm-hmm. 
you, their confidant as well. And I, I say to a lot of the student athletes, I find myself becoming not their parent because they don't want to be their parents. They have parents. Yeah. <laughs> More so kind of like that, almost that aunt that can give you bits of advice. Cool aunt. Exactly. <laughs> and once we establish that relationship, it's really open and I can, um, they're, they're very open about just talking about their experience at school, you know, um, what they're going through, um, goals that they want to achieve during their time there and, and the relationships that they've made and what works for them. And then, um, I open up to, I ask them, you know, what things do you think can be different? So they're, they're able to kind of tell me about myself a little bit and saying, these are some things that are really great. Um, and things are, these are things I think you should implement or, um, could you assist me doing X or this, this is what I love to do, or, um, this is my favorite pastime. You know, I've learned, I had an athlete who she, on the weekends, I had no idea. Like she was equestrian. She rode horses and all that. I'm Whoa. Like, Whoa. You're like, when do you do that? <laughs> like, what is that? So she did it like a lot on Sundays and, um, on Saturdays when we would not have practice and, you know, so it was interesting just figuring out those things, but, I'm always amazed by how much they can take on, right? So, yeah. um, and and how much they are interested in doing, and you know, but they're they're young and they're ambitious, and I think that circles back to what we said when we first started this conversation, right? It's that particular type of person, that student athlete, that's a great fit for the Ivy League. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I even get impressed by. I'm almost five years out now, and I look around. I'm like wow, these are some really special people that you get to surround yourself with. And I uh, definitely felt like I wish I took more advantage of it, you know, just understanding that. But it goes by so fast. You can't really change anything while you're in it. You just got to, you know, enjoy the view and stay connected. I agree. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with you and I've noticed as an alumna is the social media game, the presence of Dartmouth track and field. So I don't know if you know this, but my friend Ed and I started the accounts. Okay. Dartmouth Track and Field and Lone I started not Ed, but Lone Pine Ladies. So Hi. this is a long time ago. And I remember having these conversations of social media is important. We got to have this. But now it seems like it's a recruiting tool and it's being used. We just did it for fun. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like, is that something that you've taken on in your new role of kind of rebranding and kind of telling the story of the school better? Because we just would throw you know, something out there because we're like, we have to have this. I mean, Instagram stories didn't even exist, none of that. So I've really been enjoying what's been coming out. I don't know if that's specifically from you or assigned to other people, but uh, could you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, well, actually, I have a smile on my face because I'm glad that you have taken notice and observed that um, with the social media. Yes, I, um, when I first arrived, so Coach Tim Wonderlick, he uh, was, I guess, the primary person behind um, some of the social media that was there. Um, I immediately asked for all the usernames and passwords to everything. And um, yeah, I've been shooting out content and really um, a little bit like what you said, I want to be able to tell the world our story, you know, and I've spoken to our sports communication um, director, you know, Pat Salvas, I said the same thing. And even on my interview, I said, it was, it was actually funny because on the interview he said, well, I'm probably the person that's least important in this whole interview process in your time at Dartmouth. And I said, see, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> I said, Pat, you're one of the most important people in this process. I said, because you're going to be one of the folks who assist us in telling our story to the world. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to allow people to um, have an inside look into Dartmouth track and field and cross country um, to understand where we came from, where we are now, to celebrate the history, to celebrate the current student athletes and staff and the changes that are being made along the way. So just really just having that full, be full circle and say, hey, like, this is us. Like, we are a special group of people. We are competitive. Mm -hmm. We are intelligent. We are talented. And look at our campus. You know, Hanover is beautiful. <laughs> I know you kind of snuck in at the right time with October 1st. That's, that's peaking. Yes. And I, I remember I was telling my friend on the phone, I was driving, I said, I've never seen so many colors on the trees before in my entire life. <laughs> like just driving through, it's just, it's so beautiful. And again, I don't think people know that, you know, so just really being able to 
um, spark some curiosity, um, allow folks to be intrigued, but also um, it's not just a, I agree with you, it has become a recruiting tool for a lot of um, just organizations, period, not even just universities and colleges, just organizations. Um, but it also engages the team. You know, I told the team, I said, you guys should be the biggest fans of each other. You know, like when you open up and you see Instagram or Twitter, you should be like, oh, man, I didn't know that about my teammate or, oh, look at them, you know, and be excited for each other and be the biggest fans. And also now, you know, even alumni like yourself, you're on there. You're looking. You want to see what's going on. You know, you want to the student athletes who are there now you want to be you want to cheer for them you want to see the changes that are happening around campus or even on the team or what's happening in the day-to-day so I think it really I I'd like to use it as a tool to engage everyone you know and be able to mm. be a part of that so um so far so good I mean it's only been happening for three weeks but um I think it's been having a little bit of an impression on just everyone at large who um, is now like Dartmouth is out there, like their name, um, just even me being hired, I think there's that attention there and I want to keep mm-hmm. that excitement. You know, I, I, I don't want that to die down ever. I just want people to continue to be excited about Dartmouth. So. Oh, I, that's amazing. You know, it's been, as an alum, it's been really fun to follow along. And I think that's kind of what, what we wanted to see. It's so funny hearing you talk. Pat and I were really tight in school and he was like, but hockey, we're like, but track, Pat, come yeah. on, you got this. Like, there, we have stories to tell, too. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things where it goes back to what we were talking about originally. When a team is doing well, it's easy to tell the stories. Right. And when a team is struggling, sometimes silence is not the way to go. You know, you still have people who are accomplishing incredible things. And, I mean, there was people on our team taking honors organic chemistry. I didn't even know that was a course you could take in honors and balancing cross country. And I, I think the takeovers. And so one of the coffee chats I had with a, uh, a student on campus mm-hmm. right now on the cross country team, she said, the Lone Pine Ladies, which is the unofficial account, the cross country girls, yeah. not official. But she's like, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to come to Dartmouth because I saw the girls. I saw how fun it looked. And I realized that I could see myself there. Yeah. And I, I just want to ask you a little bit about like your recruiting strategy. So when you're looking at high schoolers, um, one of the goals in this podcast was I really think that there's a disconnect between the high school student athlete and being a fan of the sport, especially on the women's side. Um, is there something that you look for in a high schooler that makes you be like, Ivy League would be a good fit for them? Yeah, so that's... Um... That's an interesting question as it pertains to the Ivy League, simply because um, anyone, most people in the league know that when you're looking for student athletes, you have to cast a large net across mm-hmm. the country. Um, you really have to, we do more recruiting than the majority of any other schools or leagues or conferences in the country. Um, because, of course, the first thing that you identify is the performances and the talent. Right. And then you start peeling back all of the layers. Okay, well, I see that you're pretty good. Now, what's the next stage? I want to get to know more about you as a person. Um, And I think that's when you really find who's the right fit for the the league. Um, You you don't never really have to spend too much time on um, assessing and analyzing their their performances. You can technology now and all of the mile split and full track and dice that and all that will provide you with videos. They'll provide you with progressions and, and so on. Mm-hmm. You can obviously ask the athlete for more of that information. But again, after you have even maybe physically seen some of their practice practices or been to track meets, um, you definitely observe their, their interaction with other people. You know, um, you observe how they behave, you know, um, prior to their races or their events, after the races and events. But when you're speaking to them, um, I just like to get to know the person. So if I was recruiting Dana, I would just, on the phone, I'm just like, Dana, just tell me about you. Like, this is the Mm -hmm. time. You always have to, as athletes, really, I think at all different levels, um, there's definitely a a level of humility that you have to keep, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
you'll be in high school and you're walking down the hallway um, and someone says to you, um, oh, did you see yourself in the newspaper? And you're like, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, at home, like your mom and dad have laminated like <laughs> already, <laughs> you know, what I mean? but it's not that's not something you talk about. You don't you never speak about yourself. So I like to allow the student athletes tell me about yourself. Like this is the mm-hmm. time so excited they're just telling me everything that they've done everything that you know and it's not just athletically it's like tell me about your family you know and I want to brothers and sisters are you the oldest are you the youngest like are you the middle child like do you have pets for your parents athletes like what is your background where are you from like what do you like to do and um once you get to know more people reveal more about themselves right Mm -hmm. so when you're just having a conversation and there's just some kind of everyone has their their boxes that they check when speaking to people. You're like, there it is, you know, like, okay, yeah. you're the one. Like, this is, let's go after it now. So, um, yeah, definitely. It, it's a process. It's a long process. But when you when you get it right, it's it's a fun one because you know you've got a gem and you know you've got someone who is going to kill it in Ivy League. So. <laughs> How did you originally know that you wanted to be a coach? So, talented student athlete in high school, recruited to UNC, big conference school. Was it at UNC? Was that something you know you knew there? Or even prior to that, I, I find that, so I coach at the middle school and high school level. Mm-hmm. And to get to even think about coaching at the collegiate level, there there is so, it's such a big jump. There's so much you have to think about, so much to learn. And like you said, it's a hard job. It's not easy. You're away most weekends. And I just want to know, how is this something you knew you wanted to commit your, your work and your life to? Yeah, I, if I'm being completely honest, I actually never saw myself as a, a coach, an educator, a teacher, anything in that realm. Um, I always had my eyes set on um, uh, sports communication or journalism or something in that field. Um, it's even what I went to college for as well. Um, but uh when when I think back, a lot of my life um, led to this point. And um, even some things that are just seem so trivial and simple to folks of, you know, I was the captain on my track and field team since I was a junior in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and when I arrived to UNC, I became the captain at UNC my sophomore year. Wow. Um, which is, yeah, which is always um, an, an interesting dynamic because at that time I'm 19 years old, but I'm the captain over 22, 23 year olds, you know? So um, yeah. it, it's definitely interesting and that continued. And um, I was a part of the um, the inaugural uh, Carolina Leadership Program at, Dar- uh, excuse me, at UNC. Um, and a lot of other schools have uh, since then have begun to develop their own type of leadership programs that um, kind of simulate that one. Um, and then I guess just after college, uh, I guess the funny story is that I, I went back home. Um, I started, you know, some freelance journalism and I was in the mall one day and I was sitting in the food court having lunch and a track and field coach from Jersey, um, who knew me in high school. Um, I used to go to their track camp and used to run for that club and he saw me and he's like, Hey, I didn't know you were back in town. Why don't you come? He was at a university at the time at Seton Hall university. He said, why don't you come on down and, and, and help out a little bit? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, like I'm done. I'm burnt out. That's what I was just like, no, cause I had a couple injuries in the past too. I was like, no, I just think I'm done with track right now. I just need a break. Um, and so he literally contacted me. I received emails and text messages from him every week. That's also classic New Jersey too. They won't say, they won't take a no. No. And I think I, I, I blew him off for a good six months and then he's like, just come down. So long story short, came down to the school. I observed one practice and Dana, when I tell you, I just fell in love like that one day. It's all it took. And I was so shocked, even in myself. I was just like, what? That was too easy. Um, and then I just kept coming back, coming back. And he said, you know, you, you don't have to come that often. You only have to come once a week just to get in the groove. I started coming two times a week, three times a week. And then it turned into every day. Um, so from there, I, I remember he was a little bit overwhelmed one day. He allowed me to take over the, the, the hurdlers. And I told him, I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he goes, oh, I trust you. And I was like, what? <laughs> so um, yeah. 
I took him through, a, you know, drills and a workout. And, and ever since then, like, I just fell in love with it. I enjoy, I enjoy working with young people, but I enjoy working with young people, like the collegiate level who are in that young adult phase where they're entering college as young girls and boys. They're going through that four years. And when they depart, they're young men and women. Right. So that four year period, so much happens and so much growth and development and their eyes are open and so much knowledge and relationships and connections, just assisting them through that time. Um, I really find, you know, enjoyment and kind of find my calling there. It's almost like a ministry. So I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, chills. No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, when you come into college, you you're huge eyed, you don't know what you're doing. And by the time you leave, you you really have figured it out. And I, one of the things I think is the greatest thing about Dartmouth is that most of my peers still love to run yeah. and it's a big part of their life. And they're not, I hear people from other schools of, I never want to run again. I want to stop. It's, yeah. I don't have enjoyment in that love. And I, I love that it's still a core. Maybe this is a it's probably a little harder if you're like a pole vaulter or a jumper or something like that. That's not as easy, but I think having that, uh, one thing I enjoyed about being at Dartmouth was kind of running as a part of you. It's not the only thing, you right. know, you have yeah. to develop yourself around this, but you also have to have that identity when it's done. I mean, this is hypocritical for me to say, cause I am running professionally right now, but I did try to leave. <laughs> okay. I came, it called, it called me back. Same as you, but, um, yeah, I think that is a big identity struggle. Um, do you ever work with athletes after they graduate and they talk to you, they're like, I'm missing something, I need to find it. Is that something that you've talked to anyone about? Yeah, I have spoken to some people and they, the first year out of college, um, most students or most people are just, are pretty comfortable. And then once they enter that year two, they're just like, oh no, like something's not the same. And I do encourage, I talk to folks about it and I say, look, the one thing that's that is missing, you have been an athlete pretty much your entire life, and now you're just cutting it and moving forward. I said, so the things that you want to take with you, you're still competitive. You know, you're a competitive person, and you kind of crave that. Um, you want to be challenged. You you want to be active. And um, so I always encourage a lot of people, like if you're with a company. Um, you know, tap into their, their company games, like their softball games, or if they're doing, you know, trivia or anything like that. Um, if you're in a community, um, you know, find the running community there um, or um, get into like a group gym program or something where you're you're being challenged with other folks around you. Um, and a lot of people have done that. And they're just like, I never thought I would want to continue being active and being an athlete. They're like, but it's such a big part of my life. Like, it's what keeps me going, you know, um, because you think about it, even in college, like you spent two to three hours every single day committed to that. Um, so you, you don't want to um, cut it out of your life, but you want to find a way that you can allow it to transition into the next phase of your life. So. <laughs> yeah, that resonates with me completely <laughs> and my friends as well. Um, the kind of last big topic I want to talk about before a couple fun last questions for you is it's a big one but kind of diversity at Dartmouth mm -hmm. so I would uh, I would say that Dartmouth historically is not the most diverse team and it is something that I think especially this past year the alumni groups and people have just been discussing how can how can the school improve how can the team improve how can it become a more open and diverse environment is that something that you're also looking into and kind of through recruiting I know that there's there's always classic excuses like oh it's really hard to get sprinters up here like it's too cold like there's all these excuses you know and I think it's kind of more of a cultural shift that has to happen within the school I mean New Hampshire is a very white place yeah it is not diverse and Dartmouth is kind of a uh, kind of a more of a contrived version of that like the all Ivy League schools you're recruiting people everyone's kind of there for a reason, you know? Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to talk about like your perspective on that and kind of what your goal is to improve that. I've seen a lot on the social media. There's been a lot of very cool panels that have been discussed with um, black alumni and kind of opening up that those discussion pathways. But yeah, just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it's great that you, a lot of your um, 
observation and attention, you know what's going on. You're still involved from afar with Dartmouth and knowing the, the transitions there. But um, I also do commend you for being able to kind of eloquently be uh, acknowledge and identifying, you know, some things that are pretty obvious about the university and the surrounding area. Um, so in, in my opinion, you know, I think our sport in particular um, is pretty unique and the beauty of it is that it is the most diverse sport in the mm -hmm. world, period, not just the country. Yeah like most diverse sport in the world. Um, it brings so many different backgrounds, um, so many different genders, so many different um, ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds. So in my opinion, we have to capitalize off of that. You know, mm -hmm. we definitely have to capitalize off of that. And um, if, if we're not, then we're, we're not doing any, ju any justice to the beauty of our sport, right? Mm -hmm. So. But that being said, yes, of course, you, you do look at the location of different, you know, colleges and universities. And yes, you know, Hanover is predominantly white. We get that. But at the same time, um, as you said, you want to bring in different types of people into this bubble, right? It's almost mm -hmm. every school and university kind of has, that's kind of the, the talk of the town. You know, it's the college town. So what are we building and what are we making of it? Um, and in my opinion, when you are off to attend a college or university, you're, one of the purposes is, is you're not simply there just for the, literally the academics, you know? Mm -hmm. yes, that is a portion of it. You know that you're going to, especially in Ivy League, you know you're gonna get a world-class education. You know, that's, that's writing's on the wall there. But you're also there to be um, a bit more cultured, to gain more knowledge, to be able to prepare yourself for the next stages once you leave that university. And what are those next stages? In life, you're going to encounter all different types of people. You want to be able to um, communicate with all different types of people, work alongside folks, and be able to have a better understanding. What better place and time to do that <laughs> is in college when you're having that growth, as, as we spoke about before. Um, so with that being said, I think Dartmouth right now, I think they're doing an, an excellent job of um, really improving in that, in that process. As you said, uh, the DP2 actually has had a few panels. Um, they did have um, kind of the, uh, the Black Student Athlete Experience at Dartmouth. That was, that was one discussion. Um, and just the other night, they actually um, had resiliency during, uh, during COVID. That was just... Mm, that's a good one. Um, but they've also created a um, uh, excellence and inclusion program as well that I've actually been invited to join. Um, and we've also been, even with my staff, we've been talking about, you know, diversity on the team, you know. Mm -hmm. And it does take a bit more work to kind of turn over every stone, you know. And yeah. I, a lot of folks ask me, you know, they talk about the organizations and, you know, the, the, the actual school or the NCAA and all of that. And yes, I think that's important too for all the kind of bigger people and parties to, to take action as well. But I challenge coaches, you know, mm -hmm. I do. I, and when it comes down to it, it's internal, you know, I yeah. challenge coaches. Are you really looking for, you know, all different types of student athletes? Obviously, we want to maintain that high level of, you know, academic and athletic excellence. But there's so many people out there. And, you know, Dana, it does take more work. It really does. Yeah. You have to go out there and allow people to know, hey, do you know what Dartmouth is? Do you know the Ivy League? Let me educate you a little bit about it and how this could be an appropriate opportunity for you or how this could be a life-changing opportunity for you. And um, it takes a little bit more digging and searching. It takes more phone calls. It takes more emails. And it takes more creativity to try and make sure you're presenting it in a, a more creative and attractive way. So um, we're, we're starting to do that. I'm excited about it. Um, but I also think it when you do have that on your team, it allows recruiting to, to be a little bit easier. You can mm -hmm. those people and, and be able to recruit. And I mean all different types of folks, you know, all different types of background. Um, so not just having the, you know, focusing on, you know, black and brown people. Like, yes, we want black and brown people on the team, but we also, we want people from different parts of the country, you know. We also mm -hmm. want representation. We also, you know, we want Asian people on the team as well. We want to be able to look and say, this is our sport. <laughs> yeah. Know? 
you want to say, this is our sport, this is what we represent. Um, and I think I, I tried to do that at Penn, and I think I was successful in doing that. Um, I was very intentional about it mm -hmm. as well. Um, so I definitely want to bring that to Dartmouth so that people can be comfortable. And I, and it's, I think even um, I enjoy the representation of our staff across the board as well. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's it's most universities do not have a, a brown or black um, male distance coach. You know, so yeah. And we have that in Courtney, and I think it's really cool. Um, but, and it's, and he's good, you know? So you can't say anything about it. You're like, well, he's good. And, you know, it's definitely um, brings a different face to the to the program. But um, just really being able to, like I said, just go out and, and identify and just dig a little deeper, so. One thing you said there was the, and he's good. Mm -hmm. Is that something that, for yourself, that, the, and she's good, you know, is kind of this qualifier that's kind of when you make a big jump, you take a big role, people have to qualify like, oh, it's not just a a hire for diversity. You know, that's an unfortunate situation that we're in. And over time, I mean, I would love to see that qualifier disappear at the, oh, this is why they're hired. But they're also good. Like they're they're deserving of the role. Um, yeah, I guess that's not even a question. It's more of a statement that I hope that disappears over time because, you know, our country is changing, things are shifting, and it's inappropriate to have to have that qualifier on, you know, it's just, you should accept the person that they're worth, and we need to do better. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. I, it was, it was, it was funny, it's even with women, right, it's, I, I remember just giving a shout out to, I was like, I'm inspired, I'm empowered just by all of the highly qualified women, you know, mm -hmm. thing, you just can't say, oh, she's, in office or she's um been hired at the school or she's my boss because she's a woman well she's actually pretty darn good too <laughs> you know so um it's really just being able to um acknowledge that and identify it but like you said no longer needing to have that qualifier um and but i am glad i'm qualified <laughs> you are definitely no i think the entire you know, I'm, I am speaking on behalf of them, but, you know, if anyone has an issue, they can talk to me. We are so excited to have you at Dartmouth. I think this new energy bringing to just kind of, I see it through you, you know, just this has been a tough year. Um, it's been a tough time, but, you know, just exciting people about the future and having a, like an exceptional opportunity, like you said, you know, really taking advantage of it. So to wrap this up, because you are a very busy woman and I want you to get outside on this gorgeous day is just a couple of fun questions and these are very Dartmouth related so I apologize to the listeners who are like man where is this place <laughs> Hanover New Hampshire what are your bu your bucket list have you seen this is what I have to do and winter is coming up so maybe not winter related but your this is what I need to do in Hanover yeah that's actually that's a cool question um so I I definitely, the last time I've been skiing um, was when I was very young. Um, so I do, I want to go skiing. I want to go snowboarding. I heard snowboarding is actually a little bit more difficult than skiing, but I definitely want to go snowboarding. Um, and I want to go canoeing. Uh, I think I'm a little bit fearful of kayaking, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I definitely, I do want to go uh, canoeing. So those are, those are two things. Um, I've been hiking a few times before, but um, so that wouldn't be new for me, but hiking here is a lot different, I think. So, but uh, the top of my list is definitely skiing, snowboarding, and canoeing. Or, yeah, canoeing. <laughs> All right, next rapid fire question is, what Dartmouth tradition have you heard of that intrigues you the most? Ooh, so homecoming, I think there's a huge bonfire like in the middle of the green and there's been so many pictures of it. Um, I am excited to see that because I, I believe it happens mostly like in the evening and at night. So it illuminates the sky, but also too, a lot of the campus comes out for it. So I think that would be really fun. It's, it's, it's something that everyone kind of unites. It's, it's sort of athletic related, but non-athletic related as well. It's just a unified front there and just having a good time in the middle of campus. So I'm ready for that. <laughs> That's a great one. It's a little cultish. If you watch some videos, you're like, what is happening at three-story tall bonfire you know because the way they crisscross it across the green you're like this oh. looks a little satanic but oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no but it it is truly so fun there used to be a tradition where um they now have a fence around it but you used to yell at the freshmen to try to touch the fire oh, so no. you would 
Uh, yeah, I think they're they've gotten a little better on the harassment and bullying front. No hazing, but used to yell "worst class ever," touch the fire, and have the freshman try to run. Okay. Um, the last question to wrap this all up is, what are you looking forward to? Oh, yeah, Dang, that's a loaded question. There's so much. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to actually, since we're in the COVID period, um, to really just be able to see the athletes, the student athletes physically in person. Um, we do have some on campus, um, but obviously not the whole team, just a third of the team. So I want to be with the team. I'm, I'm, I'm really into team cheers. I'm really into gathering mm. together. I'm really into just like kind of allowing everyone to know like, making announcements like this person crushed practice like this person was over there doing this like I love that type of stuff because it really brings the team together so I'm looking forward to it I try to do a lot of it uh, virtually but I don't feel like everyone's just kind of getting my energy 100% so um, I'm looking forward to being with the team in person so yeah <laughs> I love that well thank you so much for coming on more than running with Dana and I will definitely be cheering for Dartmouth at an event very soon thank you Dana thanks for having me <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of more than running with Dana hope you join us next week where we share another phenomenal woman's story about how she is more than running leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify it really helps the podcast grow if you ever have any suggestions of who we should have on the pod, feel free to drop me a message. Until next time. I only want a few close friends. The rest just pretend. A ton of people kissing in the stairwell. I want this day to end. Text my mama so I don't lose hope I didn't learn anything I didn't know Always yelling, get off your phone Screw that, I'm going home Did you hear that? Nah, I'ma take a zero Just call